Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Well, amen. How many of you were here last week? Encouragement for a heavy heart, amen? You know, that really is the posture um, as the, the creation to take before the creator is just to hear from him. You know, Jesus said that we're the branches and he's the vine. We can't bear fruit on our, on our own. Our role is to hear from him. You know, this is why the church for thousands of years have gathered together on Sundays to hear from him. And I pray that that's our heart today, that behind the voice, there would be another voice. Amen. That we're coming expecting and asking God and his goodness and grace to speak to our lives. Because he is a compassionate God and he is a caring God. And he wants to speak. Anybody's ever had the voice of God change things in your life? I know I have. I know I have. Well, as I mentioned a moment ago, we are in February, like it or not. And uh, in this new year, we're already in month two. And starting a brand new series today titled In the Ring. In the Ring. How to build a relationship worth fighting for. You know, the sort of verbiage for this series on the cards is that so much of our value today in society and in dealing with people is based on what we do rather than who we are. So often it's all about what's happening on the outside of us rather than what's on the inside. But God says something different, that our character is a reflection of who we truly are. And because our character is a reflection of who we truly are, ultimately it is our character that makes or breaks relationships. That who we are on the inside directly impacts the people around us. And therefore, if we're going to have relationships that last, we're going to have to fight for them. But oftentimes, where we fight and how we think we should fight is misguided. We're going to find out today that where we need to fight is in the areas of our own circle and the area of our own heart. And so all month long, we're going to look at this, how to build healthy relationships as we all in some capacity and in some way are in the ring. I want to teach today. Never know I might preach, but probably just teach today, a message titled, Circles, Not Corners. Will you say that with me? Circles, Not Corners. And before I do, I'd like to pray. Father, I thank you that Jesus Christ came. I thank you that he shed his blood. He died. He was buried and he rose victorious. And I thank you that today he is Lord and that he builds his church and the gates of hell will not prevail we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would shine the light of the gospel and the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus in the hearts and minds today. 
We ask for clarity. I acknowledge my need of you, Holy Spirit, that Christ would be manifested. We give you all the glory and all the praise. We're grateful for your love and for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, many of you are not aware that this Christmas, my wife and I and our three kids, we added a new family member. And uh, many of you have not met this new family member. But this new family member is called Gizmo. And Gizmo is an iRobot. An iRobot. In fact, I think they have a picture maybe of this family member. Maybe, maybe not. But Gizmo is a robot. Now, if you are like me and you don't hit it out of the park when it comes to buying gifts for your spouse... When your wife tells you exactly what she wants, then you just get it. There's then no worries. She's pleased. She got what she asked for. And this was the deal with Gizmo, the iRobot. She wanted wanted some help cleaning, which I take that personal, as if I don't help clean enough in, in the house. But she wanted some additional help cleaning. And so we got Gizmo. Now, this iRobot... What I have learned is that when you turn Gizmo on to clean, he has, or she has, I I don't know, I guess it's a neutral. Yeah, the the kids named it, so I'm not sure about that. But but has two pre-programmed cleaning modes. One is by corners, and the other is by circles, meaning... You can turn Gizmo on and Gizmo will begin to clean just going and finding corners. The other pre-programmed way and pattern is Gizmo will start in the center of the room and will slowly circle and make that circle bigger until Gizmo cleans the entire room. Notice that, two patterns, corners and circles. But understand it's only because what's been pre-programmed in Gizmo that allows Gizmo to do such patterns. Likewise, it's the same with you and I. It's the same regarding our heart. That our heart has patterns. And the patterns in our heart determine what takes place in our life. Now, for those of you who are born again, a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, when you received the new birth, you were reprogrammed. Titus 3.5 says you were regenerated. You experienced the new birth, and you received a new capacity to manifest Christ, and you're born again in your inner man. But the Bible says that in addition to our spirit being born again and reprogrammed, there is another reprogram that needs to happen in our mind. The Apostle Paul, in writing to Rome in Romans 12, 1 and 2, says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be reprogrammed by the renewing of your mind. Meaning if you want the patterns, the habits, the attitudes, the words, the type of relationships in your life to look different than the world around you, there must be the regeneration in your spirit, but there also must be a reprogramming in your mind. See, Proverbs 4, 
23 speaks to this issue. It's the main text for us today. It says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Notice the inward is affecting the outward. What's been programmed in our heart, what's been patterned in our heart is affecting our relationships around us. Notice it's out of the heart that spring either corner patterns in our life or circle patterns. I'm using corners to represent outside in. See, gizmo, when gizmo cleans with the corner pattern, it goes to the very outside and edges of the room and seeks to work its way in. When gizmo cleans on the circle pattern, it starts from the center and works its way out. Is this not what you and I are faced with? What we are all faced with? Will we seek to work from the outside in or from the inside out? What will we focus on? Oftentimes people, when they think about relationships, they begin to first focus on the outside of them instead of focusing first on what's on the inside of them. It's to this that the spirit of wisdom in Proverbs speaks to, that it's from the inside that things are springing to the outside. See, a circle, by definition, is a complete series forming a connected whole. But a circle is also, by definition, a number of persons bound by a common tie. It's also the area within which something acts, exerts, and influences. See, a circle, by very definition, has integration. It's integrated. But a corner, by definition, is defined as an end or an edge. It also has, in its definition, any narrow, secluded, or secret place. Did you know that a corner is also, by definition, an awkward or embarrassing position? Especially one from which escape is impossible. It also means to gain control. You hear about where we want to corner the market. And it's along these lines that today I want to say it's circles, not corners. That God wants for us circles and not Corners. Proverbs 15, 24 says, The way of life winds upward for the wise, that he may turn away from hell below. Notice the way of life. It means it spirals. It circles upward. God wants circles in our life. These patterns that model the kingdom of God. These patterns that model the relationship that God has made possible for us to continue to call us to circle, to wind upward, experiencing more of the life and the life more abundant that Jesus has brought to pass. As I said, we're in a series called In the Ring. Did you know that a wedding ring is a circle? In fact, I have one on. Now, this isn't the original one. I mean, not... Too many husbands probably have the original one. If you do, 
I wish I did and good for you. But the original one is in Lake Lanier <laughs> at the bottom. And uh, that, that, that memorable moment, <laughs> that was the conclusion of my kneeboarding and water sports career. I hung it up. But the water was cold and I was kneeboarding and after, you know, being somersaulted and, uh, you know, you're, you're, because you're cold, your fingers shrink a little bit and that ring went flying and I could see it just slowly sinking, just couldn't get to it. Well, you know, for a while I went down to Buford Dam because I said, you know what, I'm going to catch me some trout and I'm going to cut one of those trout open and I'm going to find that ring. Jesus sent Peter down there to find gold. Well, listen, I caught some trout, but I never found that ring. So the moral of that story is pray that your pastor gets a little more faith. Because I didn't have, I guess, enough faith to get that ring back in that fish's mouth. But listen, I'm wearing a wedding ring, and a ring is a circle. And when we're in this series talking about in the ring, we're not just talking about marriage relationships. We're using in the ring to represent all relationships, friendships. Relationships in a larger community. But it's when you're in a relationship, you're in the ring. Now, when we think about being in the ring, we need to get clarity of what type of relationship we're talking about. Do you know that there are some relationships that we don't have choices about? But the truth of the matter is, is most relationships, we have a choice in the matter. What's an example of a relationship we don't have a choice in? Who our birth parents were. We didn't have a choice. Our earthly lineage. We didn't have a choice. The home you grew up in, when you were a child, you didn't have a choice. In elementary, and middle, even in some high schools, who you sat next to in class, you didn't have a choice. I so often long, you know, to sit next to the prettiest girl. They would never assign me those seats. In college... Michelle and I had an early morning class. Dr. Sprinkle was a genius. He spoke eight languages. And normally that means geniuses are so far out there, you don't know what they're saying. It was sort of like that. We had him for hermeneutics. Hermeneutics, that's the study of rightly interpreting Scripture. And Michelle sat back behind me to the right. I sat over in the corner because I was one of those corner people at that time. We're going to learn about them today. But I always had to turn around and see her. I mean, it was so obvious. I mean, I got, I got busted all the time because I had to literally turn around to look back at her. But there are many relationships that we don't have a choice in the matter. And it's in those relationships that often we feel like we're cornered. If only I would have had this father. If only I would have had this mother. If only I would have grew up in this type of home. And 
It's in these relationships where we don't have a choice, where we have nowhere to go, we have nowhere to run, that oftentimes we can feel like being in a corner. That it's an end in and of itself. It makes us feel awkward. In fact, every teenager at some point, right, goes through that stage where it's like their parents are the most, you know, uncool people on the planet. You just need to ask some other people how cool your parents really are. We can tell you horror stories if you're a teenager here today. But there are these relationships that we don't have a choice about, and sometimes they bring embarrassment into our life. Sometimes they're awkward. Sometimes it forces us into a corner, into a difficult situation or experience in life. But the truth of the matter is, is that most relationships we do have a choice regarding. When you think of marriage, you do have a choice. Listen, I'm sorry to bust any bubble today, but God does not just sovereignly have picked just one woman or one man. If that was the case, then when a person passed away, they couldn't be remarried. There is a choice involved. God wants to be involved in that choice. But we have a choice. When you think of marriage, it's sort of like what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 9 about giving and sowing and reaping. Free will offerings is what the Bible calls them. It says that when you give these free will offerings, you should give them cheerfully as you've purposed in your heart, not grudgingly. This really applies to most relationships, whether it's friendships, whether it's marriage. That It's not to be out of an obligation. It's not to be grudgingly, but it should be a willingness. There should be a joyfulness. There should be a cheerfulness to enter the ring of marriage or the ring of a committed friendship or relationship with another. Now, there are times where you get a God yes. I have had times where I met a person, a young man, and God gave me an internal yes, you're to mentor that person. There are times where God strongly leads and nudges you to befriend someone who is not necessarily in a place to be the best friend to you, but God is leading you to be a friend to them. Now, in those moments, you still have a choice to say no to the Lord. But most of the time, when the Lord does that, you have to take up your cross. You're going to have to be willing to sacrifice for the benefit of another. There are times then as we mature and we go through life that the people we did not have a choice about in the beginning. The no's, the parents and the people that we had no choice regarding, the, the siblings, the brothers, the aunts, the, the weird uncle, you know, these people that we didn't have a choice about, these no's. As we get older, some yeses begin to appear regarding those original no's. What do I mean? As you grow older, though you could not choose who your birth parents were or who your aunts were or your uncles were or your siblings, you can begin to have yeses as you get older of what type of relationship you engage in with them. 
You can make choices. How much of a relationship you're willing to have. How much contact you're willing to have. There are choices. God wants to help us through His wisdom, through the leading of His Holy Spirit regarding these choices. The problem is, is when the yeses, the ones we did have a choice, become noes. What do I mean? When we enter into friendships of our own will, when we enter into relationships of our own will, and we had the ability to choose to enter that relationship, but now we allow that relationship we had a choice in to become a no as if we no longer have a choice. And this is when codependency, manipulation, control, jealousy, hatred, and toxic, toxic, Toxic elements enter a relationship is when you go from being free to make a choice to enter that relationship to no longer being free because you become codependent. You have begun to believe that without this person, I couldn't be fulfilled. I couldn't experience peace. I couldn't be loved. I could never have another friend. And then you're open to manipulation and control and jealousy and all kinds of toxic, toxic attitudes and fruit. When this happens, listen to me, a circle has become a corner. A circle that has an ongoing rhythm about it and relationship cycles of it, has now became a corner. You are now feeling cornered. You are now feeling no longer as if you have freedom. A circle has become a corner. Many times people begin to live in corners of relationships or embarrassment. and See, a corner is where two lines meet but they end. That's not what God wants for our relationships. God wants our relationships to be like a circle because, listen, a circle, you never find the end. It just has this cycle. It's ongoing growth. It's an ongoing journey together. But a corner is two points coming together and end. You don't want relationships where you just come together, but then growth ends. You don't want relationships where you come together and then the the joy of the moment is there, but then the joy ends. You don't want relationships where you come together and then that's the end. No, you want relationships that are like a circle where you journey together through stages, through seasons. I mean, is life not so filled with seasons where you bury people one week and at the same week you dedicate a new baby? I mean, there are all of these things going on at the same time. And you want relationships that's like a circle. That will be with you as you go through these seasons. You go through life. Many people find themselves in corners because they're really not in the ring. They're really not in the awareness of a relationship. They're in the dream. What do I mean? They are more fixed on what they think a relationship should be. 
They care more about what they think the relationship with their mother, their father, their aunt, their sibling, their spouse, their, their friends should be. They're more focused on the dream than the reality that they're in the ring. They're in a relationship. Fantasies and fiction focus. God doesn't want us to live fixed on the dream. He wants us to live with the reality that we're in the ring. We're in a relationship. Do you know what the wedding ring symbolizes? It symbolizes several things. But one of the things a wedding ring symbolizes is commitment. It's commitment. A circle represents a commitment that through the mountains and through the valleys, through the summers and the winter seasons, through the joys and through the sorrows, that we're committed to continue to journey together. And it's not just marriage relationships that need commitment. It's also friendships that need commitment. It's our relationships with one another. It's a commitment. But you know what else a ring represents? You know why most rings are gold? It represents the divine quality of God's love. That God's love is unending. That God's love for you is unending. When you begin to talk about being in the ring and being in relationships, whether it's a marriage relationship, whether it's a friendship relationship, whether it's a relationship with the community or relationship with a business and a workplace, you need to understand that to be in the ring, you're in the greater ring of God's unconditional, unending love for you. If you're ever going to have a clarity if you're ever going to have the best relationship possible with a spouse, with a friend, with a neighbor, with a coworker, with an aunt, with a sibling, with a mother, you have to live that there is a greater ring around you and it is the unending love of God. That God's ring of love this ring of love before he ever created the sun, the moon, and the stars. This ring before he ever created humanity and creation. There was this ring of eternal love of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that ring wasn't small. It was a ring that is so big that it can continue to expand that where Jesus in John 17 prays, He prays that we would come into the ring of fellowship of this eternal love. That the love that Jesus had always with the Father, would now be in us. That we would live in this ring of God's eternal love. A love not based on your performance. A love not based on your abilities. But the eternal love of God. That God values you and he loves you because you are his creation. 
And the Bible says to the one who comes to the Father through Jesus that he'll manifest his love. The special, unique love experience for those that have been brought into the ring of fellowship through Jesus Christ. The only way, the only truth, and the only life. See, why is this important? Listen to me. Because any other purpose of God is to flow out of the love of God. For instance, marriage is God's idea. Friendship is God's idea. It's not good for man to be alone. You know, every, not every, but the majority of schizophrenic, demon-possessed people that I've ever encountered and dealt with were homeless people that lived by themselves. It is not good for man to be alone. Every purpose, God's purpose of marriage, God's purpose of friendship, God's purpose of a community journeying together in the purpose and His vision for it. Listen, every purpose of God is to flow out of the love of God. God wants our rings and our relationships to flow out of the greater ring of the fellowship with His eternal love. Paul concludes one of his letters to the Corinthians about the love of God, the fellowship of the Spirit, and the Lord Jesus Christ, this ring of love. Oftentimes when it comes to these relationships we have choices in, there are times we find ourselves asking the question, should we fight or flight? Should we fight for the relationship to continue to grow? Or should we take flight? Now let me say up front today that if you're married today, the person you're married to is God's will for you to be married to. If you're married right now, it's God's will for you to be married to who you're married to. So we're not talking about flight there. But there are times where we have to get discernment and wisdom whether we should fight for relationships or take flight. For instance, what about a relative who is an addict? What about a relative that's so dysfunction, dysfunctional that even their dysfunction affects in a negative way the function of other people? What about flight like when God is looking to do a new thing and he comes to Abraham and the first thing he says is leave your father and your father's fathers. Leave your area and your country and go to a new land. I'll show you. What he's saying is I need flight. I need you to move away. Why? Because Abraham, I have a purpose, but the purpose can only flow out of my love for you and I need to get you in a context where you get secure in the bigger ring of God's love before you could ever influence other rings, other relationships in your life. Fight or flight. Sometimes to get to the next place and experiencing what God is calling us to, we need new relationships. We need people that are been further in the business that we're in than we've been before. We need people that have wisdom and have more experience and depth of knowledge than we've had before. We need 
a new relationship. Well, here's the thing. These type of relationships you have to fight for. Listen to me. We find around us a generation that expects easy access to people. People want easy access to successful people, watch this, without doing the hard work that successful people have done to grow in character, to grow in emotional maturity, to grow in relational maturity. And to get into such rings of people that are developed and have grown and know more than us, we have to fight for it. And here's how you fight for it. you got to fight for God to show you and for you to get prepared to use the gift or gifts He's given you. Because notice what Proverbs says. Proverbs says uh, in 18.16, a man's gift makes room for him. And brings him before great men. You want some relationships that you know would benefit God's purpose for your life. God's business plan that he has for you. And the company he wants you to start. Listen, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You're going to have to work at letting God work on your character. Because listen to me, your gift when you start unwrapping it can get you into some of these relationships that previously you didn't have access to. But listen, it's only your character that will keep you there. And people that have healthy relationships, whether in business, whether in marriage, whether with siblings, whether with friends, whether with the community, they've learned to do the hard work, listen, of letting God work on them. And it's not right for people who do not allow God to work on them. Because God's good at changing what needs to be changed. God's got the grace to do it. But it's unfair for people that's unwilling to let God's grace change them to try to demand and expect access to other people who have allowed God's grace to change them. We can't buy into this mentality of just easy access. Sometimes you got to fight for new relationships. Listen, and the way you fight is you let God begin to work on the rough edges of your life. You let God begin to work on the shadows of your life. You begin to let God work on the the edges and the corners of your heart that are seeking to hide things. You let God work on that because out of the heart flows the issues of life. When you think about should I fight for a relationship or should I take flight from it, one thing you got to ask yourself is in this relationship, am I able to stay aware of being in the love of God? Listen, there are some relationships that the person that, that you're trying to involve in the ring in that relationship is so toxic that if you're not able to stay aware of the bigger ring around you, the eternal love of God, then you should flee from it. Listen to me. God does not want you to try to have a relationship with another person and help them to the destruction of your own soul. I've had to counsel many leaders before. Should I leave? Should I do that? And here's what I tell them. When the context you're in is so damaging to your own soul, the soul of your marriage, or the soul of your family, meaning that you're not able to still grow and have strength within the context around you because it is, for whatever reason, 
keeping you from growing in those areas, that's time to flight. Because God's not asking you to have relationships and marriage and your own relationship with Him destroyed and trying to serve and to change other things. Another question is, is when I think about should I enter this ring of relationship with a person, are you able to circle in the relationship or are you just being cornered? Do you know Jesus went about teaching in a circuit? Meaning, good relationships have a rhythm to them. You're able to circle around. You're able to go do lunch and then circle around to other relationships like be with your children and be with your spouse and be with other friends. But then that you circle back around to that relationship. Listen, unhealthy rings and relationships do not allow the circuit and the circle. They want to corner you and begin to possess you. If a relationship is beginning to constantly constantly be like claws and claim you as your own. That's possessiveness. That's being cornered. There's even siblings and parents and toxic things that it's not allowing a circle. It's being cornered. And there's times where for a season or for long you have to, you have to take flight from that and pray that God would begin to work in them as you allow God to continue to grow you. You know, could you imagine as Jesus is taking circuit and he's going and blessing the poor and healing the sick and preaching the good news of the kingdom and then all of a sudden this one city started a movement. Jesus is just for us. Jesus is only for Capernaum. He's not for any other city. No, 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 listen. Jesus went in a circuit. You got to understand that People that we engage in the ring and relationship, they don't just exist for us. My wife does not just exist for me. She existed for God or Creator long before we even knew each other. My kids do not just exist for me. They existed for God long before. In his heart and in his mind that they were my children. This is important. Because listen, toxic relationship, toxic rings, you will not be able to stay aware of the bigger ring of God's love. But listen, you'll only become aware of your faults. You'll only be focused on your performance. Now, when you're in the ring of relationships, there are times where the ring, like the ring of the circle, corners begin to appear. What do I mean? I think they have a picture for me of a ring. You can be in the circle ring of relationship, marriage, or with family or others, and in that circle, another ring can begin to appear. That is a boxing ring. And there's times in our relationship where circumstances and the enemy and our wrong patterns and our wrong thinking tries to make the circle into the edges of a boxing ring. What do we do in such moments where life and circumstances and words that's happened and things that's been done is trying to make the circle of your relationship into the edges of a boxing ring? Well, one of the things if you're going to be a good boxer is you got to learn to stand your ground. If you're always on the run, number one, you ain't going to score any points. 
Two, you stay off balance and it's easier when you get hit to be knocked down. When, when life in your relationships, in your marriage, in your, in your friendships begin to try to make edges and begin to try to make a boxing ring into that relationship, the first thing is you got to stand ground. What do I mean? Look at Ephesians 4, 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Don't give place to the devil. When circumstances in life is trying to make the ring of the relationship into a boxing ring, listen, you stand your ground in the convictions and in the values that God has given you. Because you know what the enemy wants to do when things begin to try to be turned into edges in boxing ring? He's trying to get you to start compromising and to get weary and to go back to things that the Lord and His circle of love has already brought you out of. you got to stand your ground. you got to give no place to the enemy. You know what else you need if you're going to be a good boxer? Well, before I tell you, you know, I, in, in middle school and high school, you know, I grew up in a large city, so there, was, there were several fights at you know, times, and and I began to wonder because I looked at some of these people that other people feared. They would talk about it. I mean, these people were just, just whooping everybody. And you look at them and you're thinking, how in the world is this guy just whooping everybody when he fights them? He's not built. He's not massive. And I, as I'm a thinker and observer of life, I began to realize something about them. The majority of them, you know what they were? They were tall and linky. You know what that means? They had a long reach. And the reason they won fights is because their reach was longer than the other person, even if the other person had bigger arms and looked bigger, and they could hit them before they were hit. They were hit. And to be a good boxer, one of the things you need is you need a long reach. Listen to me. When your relationships begin to try to be made into corners in a boxing ring, we're now... You're feeling like it's me against my spouse. It's me against my mother. It's me against my friend. And you are now feel like you're fighting each other. Listen to me. Just like a normal boxer, you need a long reach. You know what that means? Forgive, forgive, and forgive. You need a long reach to be the first to reach out and say, you know what, I'm sorry. You need a long reach that reaches out and says, you know what, I was wrong. You don't want to wait. For the other, you want to have a long reach, a hand that's reaching out, that's always seeking reconciliation, a hand that's extending mercy, a hand that's always looking to extend forgiveness each day. You need a long reach. Someone say long reach. In Ephesians 4 verse 4, Paul talks about the way we're to walk. The way we're to walk in the ring of our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our relationship with the community. And he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Notice what he says. Bearing with one another. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. The next thing you need to see when your rings are trying to be made into the edges of a boxing ring and you begin to fight amongst yourself is you need to stand with each other. 
you got to stand with each other. The boxing ring and circumstances is trying to get you in one corner and your spouse or your friend or the other person in the other corner where now you think that you're fighting each other. But if you will walk and stand together, you'll realize it's not really them hitting me. It's circumstances or the enemy or things that's trying to hit both of us. And we're not against each other. We're standing with each other and we're in this together. You have to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The bond of peace. Seek together to find commonality. You know what else you need if you're going to be a good boxer? You need a great corner. You need great people in your corner. In Psalms 119.63, the psalmist says, I am a companion of all who fear you, and of those who keep your precepts. That's why Paul said, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. When life tries to turn your marriage, when life tries to turn your relationship with the family member, your relationship with the best friend, your relationship with the church community into a boxing ring, you better have some group of people, a band of brothers, a band of sisters. You better have a group of people that will remind you that it's not the person you're against. There is an enemy that's trying to destroy the relationship. But you have a group of people that will not counsel you in the patterns and the ways of the world, but they'll counsel and instruct you and encourage you in the patterns of Scripture to have a long reach to extend forgiveness, to stand ground and give no place to the devil, to stay in the fear of the Lord and to be reminded that outside of the temporary ring and edges that you're facing is a bigger circle of God's love and if God be for us, if he's for our marriage, if he's for our children, if he's for relationships then who and what devil can be against us? You got to have a corner. You got to have a group of people that will exhort you in the things of God who won't throw uh, kerosene on the fire of gossip and envy, bitterness and unforgiveness that's why we gather. That if you're in relationships right now and life's trying to make that ring into a boxing ring, you gather and we encourage you to see the eternal love of God, to recognize that He's with you, to recognize that there is an enemy. That's why we grow together on Thursdays. That's why we group together twice a month on Sundays. But you know what else a good boxer needs? He needs to be renewed day by day. A good boxer each day goes through his ritual of hydration, his ritual of intake of food, but also he's renewed in the fundamentals. A, a boxer, a good one, will go to the speed bag every day. It's not exciting, but they'll do the habits necessary to keep them strengthened day by day. It's the same for you and I. That in the fundamentals of when life is trying to take the ring of our relationships and the circle of them and make it into a boxing ring, we need to be renewed day by day. Renewed in prayer. Renewed in the Word. Renewed in the fundamentals of how God strengthens us and how God speaks to us and how God encourages us. you got to be renewed day to day. Jesus taught His disciples to pray, Give us this day our daily bread. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16. 
Paul said, therefore we do not lose heart. How do we not lose heart? Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. The inner man being renewed. Do you know that studies prove and show that marriages that kiss every day, every day, every day, are healthier and find more satisfaction? We got work. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying that consistency, affection, renewed day by day. We don't kiss every day. I'll be completely honest up here. We don't. We let little things slip. Not that we don't talk that day and do other things, but oftentimes it's the little things, the little fundamentals we forget. And we overlook it's the little things that built such strength. Don't forget the fundamentals. In our relationships. See, listen, remember in these times that the bigger ring has no corners. The bigger ring of God's love has no corners. Here's what it means. When, when issues come in, we think, well, God's on my side and he's against my spouse. God's on my side, he's against my friend. Listen to me. The bigger ring of God's love has no corners. We made ourselves an enemy to God. He never made himself our enemy. We made ourselves an enemy against him. Because the love of God, the circle of God has no corners. Joshua is going to move forward in God's purpose for him to take a city. He comes across the path. There's the angel of the Lord. And Joshua's first question, are you with us? Are you with them? The angel of the Lord didn't say either. You know why? Because God's circle has no corners. Listen, there is truth and there is God and either we pursue putting our life in Him and who He is or we stay outside of Him. But it's not that God is for this church and against that church and God's for against this person. And Listen, God has no corners. He's an eternal circle of love. It's that we choose to hide in the corners. We choose to try to co-op God and co-op Jesus and say, well, he's against this person and that. Listen, Jesus hung on the cross with his arms open so that everybody has the opportunity if they choose to come in into the eternal circle and ring of God's unfailing eternal love. Jesus' disciples come to him and say, hey, we saw a man casting out demons, but he's not with our circle. And we told him to stop. Jesus said, no. He who's for me is not against me. Don't forbid him. See, he's saying, Jesus is not about making corners and trying to get people against each other. Jesus, the love of God, is a ring and circle that's big enough for all people, all nations to come into the fellowship of his love. Standing ground, long reach, a great band and group, renewed day by day. Remember the bigger ring around the current fight that life's trying to pin you against your spouse and you against this neighbor and you against this relative. That the bigger ring around that boxing ring is the eternal love of God. Next, if I'm in the ring, that means that I am in the ring. If I'm in the ring, that means I am in the ring. What does that mean? If you're in a marriage relationship, if you're in a relationship with others, 
You bring yourself into that relationship. So often we forget that when we enter into a relationship that we ourselves are bringing our own imperfections. How many of us always, when friction happens, think it's the other person? It's got to be them. Friction happens. It's, it's got to be the community. It's got to be my spouse. It's got to be this. It's got to be my boss. It's got to be the... Co- Listen, we forget that in the ring of a relationship, we bring ourselves. And because we bring I, listen, we all have selfish tendencies. We all have weaknesses. We all have frailty. We all have mistakes. You got to remember that when you're in the ring, you bring all of you. What that means is, listen, to have healthy rings and relationships, we all need awareness. That's why the psalmist prayed, in your light, Let me see light. Meaning, I can think I'm clear on the matter, but until I see the matter in God's light, I might not see it in true light. You know what selfishness does? You know what I does? A man who seeks his own desire isolates himself. The I in relationships creates corners. We find ourselves in corners, angry, distant, hiding in our selfish ambitions and desires. You know what else means? The fact that we all bring our I into a ring as we seek to cut corners. What do I mean by cut corners? As we get upset and want the other people in a relationship to, to deal with their eye, to deal with their junk, to deal with their wrong patterns, but we don't want to deal with ours. That's cutting corners. John Maxwell says, change yourself and you change your world. This is the principle of the first that Jesus taught. Matthew 7, 5, hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Meaning this, I need to live with an awareness that I'm not perfect, that I bring my own wrong patterns, my own wrong habits, my own hurts, my own wrong thinkings into the ring of a relationship. And when I find tension and when I find difficulties, the principle of the first is, Lord, is there first to beam in me? Start with me. Search me, O God, and know my anxieties and see if there's any offensive way within me. This is important. You say, how do we do that? Because our feelings and our perceptions are so fickle. Hebrews 4.12, he's given you the scriptures that are living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword to divide spirit so even to the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You get into the scripture and the scripture will enlighten you if it's the I, it's your selfishness, it's your desires that's cr- trying to create corners and fighting against each other. I know I'm not the only one who brings I into relationships. This is where the gospel comes. Because Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I was crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen, this is why Jesus came. 
Because being in the circle means that I, Chad's weakness, Chad's frailty, Chad's brokenness is in the ring. But Jesus left heaven and he entered the ring of the earth so that when I find my selfishness and my pride and my weaknesses trying to create corners between me and my spouse, me and my friend, me and the community, I can exchange my eye for Christ who lives in me. I can experience the great exchange. That the cross slays my old eye and Jesus resurrects a new identity. He resurrects new patterns. He resurrects new attitudes and thoughts within me. Thirdly, if I'm in the ring, then that means that I am in the ring. Notice the difference. The first one, if I'm in the ring, that means I am in the ring. I have to be aware that I bring my own issues to not always be in a position thinking to the person. But also, number three, if I'm in the ring, then that means I am is in the ring. God, because he's committed to you as a follower of Jesus Christ, therefore is committed to the ring of our relationships. He's made it so clear, even in the Old Testament. He said, what is the greatest commandment? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body, your strength. What is the second? To love your neighbor as yourself. God is committed to our relationships. He's committed. You say, my relationship is becoming stale. We need more excitement. Listen, I am excitement, God says. He's there in that ring in relationship. Look to him. You say, my relationship, we need better communication. I am the one who formed the mouth, says the Lord. He's there in that ring. You say, I just feel distance. I don't know what's going on in my heart or theirs. I am the light of the world. He's there in the ring. Listen, I am. The I am God is there in the relationships and He through Jesus Christ has provided the supply for all you need. For all that you need. Colossians 1.27 says, To them God willed what are the riches of the glorious mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You want more glory in the ring of your relationships? The hope is not in you. The hope is in Christ in you. And when you have an awareness of your weaknesses, then you're in a perfect position to experience the super coming on your natural and what you're facing in your relationships. That's the good news. And then in conclusion, number four, if it, if it was worth fighting for then, then why is it not now? If it was worth fighting for then, why is it not now? Some of you in your marriage, you're, you're at a standstill. You've lost your fight. You've lost your fight. And if you are willing to fight for that relationship in the beginning, then why is it not worthy to fight now? If you are willing to spend extra money dating and wooing your spouse, then why not it be worth it now? If it was worth it then, why is it not worth it now? If you wanted a relationship with a 
with the father, a relationship with the sibling. And you fought and desired it, but things happened, but you fought for it then. Why not fight for it now? If there was ever something you fought for then, why not fight for it now? What's changed? Sometimes things have changed. Sometimes the person has changed. Sometimes the person's made the decision. And we can't control what others do. Even God doesn't control what we do. Love requires a choice. But some of you in your marriage, some of you in relationships, the relationship's there, the potential's there, but you've lost your fight. Look at what Romans 12, 9 through 12 says. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Have you lost your fight because maybe you forgot about the first principle? You forgot about checking your own eye? Because it says, let love be with, without hypocrisy. Have you forgot to start with you? Maybe the passion, maybe the joy, maybe the growth, maybe the continuation and journeying together and filling on the same page. Maybe that stopped because it stopped with you. What else does that scripture say? Maybe we're starting to side with evil. Maybe we're starting to agree with the lies of the enemy that this relationship is really like a boxing ring and I have to outsmart them and I have to get the upper hand in them and I have to manipulate situations and we're now siding with the enemy who's trying to bring division. It says abhor what is evil. It says cling what is good. Maybe I'm letting go of the good that God's already taught me. Maybe I'm letting go of the good that we've already learned in the relationship, in the ring. Maybe I'm forgetting to not be weary in well-doing, but to keep doing what God has taught me in the relationship to this point. Maybe I've stopped honoring them. Notice what it says, give in honor, giving preference. You say, how can I honor them, Chad? You don't understand what they said, what they've done. I'll tell you why. Because God created them in His image. And even despite their failures and mistakes, we can still honor them that they're made in God's image. When we find ourselves in corners... Thinking we're against another person, we begin to demonize them. Just look at the political mess. I mean, it's always been that way, but just look at it. Demonizing people. See, that's corners. That's corners that's not aware of a bigger circle of God's love. And Jesus can change all people, save all people, bring all people to new life in Him. Maybe you stopped serving the Lord. Notice it says to fervently serve the Lord maybe I've stopped rejoicing maybe you've stopped rejoicing in hope maybe you've lost hope and therefore the fights went out 
Maybe some of you tried relationships with friends. Maybe some of you tried dating, tried things, and it's went wrong, and you've lost the fight. Well, sometimes you lose the fight if you stop rejoicing in the good that you do have, and you lose hope. Maybe you stop praying. He says, stay steadfast in prayer. Listen to me. All these things he mentions are the things that take the fight out of you. What's the fight? The fight of doing the hardest thing you ever do. And that's stop focusing on the outside and focus on the patterns on the inside and to draw near to God through Jesus Christ and say, Lord, start with me that the same grace that regenerated me, the power of the cross and the grace available can also change these wrong things programmed in me that's trying to make my relationship into a boxing ring in corners. And I'm forgetting the greater ring of your eternal love. And that in this relationship, the great I am is available to supply me with whatever I lack. Can we stand to our feet? Again, thanks so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. God bless you.